0: Hi, welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. My name is Scott McKenzie and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you. And we talk about better pain management. We talk about rehab after surgery. We talk about improved mobility and we talk about preventative care. And you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast. So let's get on with the interview. Welcome to In Your Corner with Core Physical Therapy. Remember to go out to coraphysicaltherapy.com. That's Cora Physical Find a clinic near you. That should be the first place, core physical When you want uh, you know, a journey on this road of better health, core physical How are you guys doing? Good. Welcome to the podcast. Good, good. I'm excited for this conversation. It's something that I feel like I can contribute. Sort of. A little bit. <laughs> All right, listeners, so we're going to be You're talking right a little... What was that? What was that? I, said, I maybe a little bit. I think I can't... A little bit. A little bit. We're going to be talking a little bit about ACL injuries, the prevention and on-the-field management, and and much, much more. Before we get into that topic, let's go, Brian. Give us a little 411 on who you are. Tell your story to everybody. <laughs>
1: It's a boring story. Um, yeah. um, I, I'm Brian Anderson. I am the uh, director of what CORE calls its Active Tracks program, um, which is its sports medicine and community outreach program. i um, been a certified athletic trainer now since 2004, um, and I've had the pleasure of working with athletes across all levels, from high school, middle school, all the way up to professional, um, and have seen a uh Few, I would say a few um, ACLs in my day. Yeah, I can imagine quite, quite a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're that, you're that good. I guess you could say, Matt. <laughs> give us a little bit about you, your story, why you're such an incredible professional, and I'm not going to ask you anything about James Cotton.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my name is Matt Lormer, uh from Scotland originally. Uh, I studied PT there qualified in 2013. Um, I've been over in the States since 2016. Uh, Lots of different positions in patient rehab, travel therapy. I started with Cora just over a year ago. Um, So I'm the clinic manager at Deerfield Beach. Um, So kind of enjoying settling into the role there. Um, I have a lot of experience kind of working. High-level orthopedics, sports injuries. Uh, I spent three, four seasons with a professional soccer academy in Scotland, Rangers Football Club. Um, so got a lot, lot of good experience there.
0: By the way, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Scottish rugby. They didn't do well with the uh, rugby six thing going on. They, they. they
2: nah, nah, not so good just, at the moment. The Scottish teams are, are uh, kind of on the down at the moment. But I struggle. We'll, we'll come back. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: you better. On it. And by the way, you've been here since uh, 2016. You still have an accent, just FYI. Just, I can hear a little bit of that accent. Just a tad. Just a tad, right, <laughs> right in my ear. All right, let's talk a little bit about ACL injuries. And of course, it's going to wrap around uh, soccer and, and pretty much, is this the season for a lot of soccer? This is, right? This is sort of like when uh, kids get out there in soccer. I, As a father, as a uh, father of a daughter who used to uh, play soccer, and uh, we used to do the traveling thing, which uh, I'm glad we don't do that anymore, but uh, let's just say it was an experience. However, we never talked about any sort of preseason screening, anything. It was like, hey, you're on the team. Let's go. And no no pre-anything, no involvement. Talk to us a little bit about it. Is there a way of being able to sort of ensure that – kids and adults or don't, you know, end the season in a wheelchair or something. Talk to us about that. Uh, Matt, to you. Sorry. I got two. We only really have one, but Matt, you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of it is to do with, with education, you know, for coaches, athletes, parents, um, you know, about for the potential risk of injury, you um, during the season, you know, and what we can do as athletic trainers and physical therapists, you know, where we come in, in terms of being able to screen players um, for for risk of injury, you know, um, as well as, you know, providing just general education, uh, you know, health promotion, um, appropriate things they should be doing in terms of nutrition, hydration, um, but definitely at the, the kind of travel soccer grassroots level, I feel it's kind of lacking um, the kind of sports science and physical therapy input when you go to you know a professional soccer academy a setting or you know college level um you're going to see you know more of that kind of um health health, health professional input um whereas at the travel soccer level you know it's still kind of lacking at the moment so i think again you know a, a lot of it comes down to kind of education and just kind of letting people know what we what we do I,
0: I, now brian I, I i agree with you 100 on that one uh, matt and i I, I don't is there a way of being able to increase that education for parents and coaches because there's a there's a slew of kids out there getting ready to play or they've been playing or whatever it is they're getting there's a slew of kids. How do we improve that education for these uh these parents and coaches
1: I mean I see you out there right um we do it a fair amount with Cora but again yeah you, you have a talk and you invite people to come you know dangle a carrot and make sure they get there um You know, when we talk about prevention, Matt's absolutely right, education. So knowing – I mean, honestly, when we talk about youth soccer – so you're right, there's a lot of soccer going on right now, but it depends on the season, right? And travel soccer, as much as we all love it. um, I mean, we cover these tournaments all the time where they get out there and they play ten games in (laughs) four days or something. So, again, that educational aspect of how much is too much, when you know, how much – how much exertion to, to rest? How much playing time should I be doing over that course of time? Because obviously the more yeah. conditioned you are, the, the, the more fatigued you are, the more these things tend to happen. Um, in general prevention, um, aside from edu- like Matt talked about education, um, there's a few quick things. I mean, there's no real just like tests. We can talk about functional movement screenings um, and the ability you know, to move your hips and do these movements that soccer requires but really it comes down to strength, right? So how well can somebody protect that knee with hip, core, thigh strength, um, the ability to kind of attenuate forces and and run and cut, um, you know, will tell us if they're able to do this.
0: Um, but that, you, bring up a, you bring up an interesting point. You know, when we start talking about these travel, these tournaments and and playing, you know, as a parent of a former soccer player, it seemed like they were playing 75, you know, matches per weekend or something like that. And, and it's just, it's just difficult. Um, Matt, how to, in, in that case, because we're going to get into the ACL and, and sort of look at that in, in that case, these, these, these athletes, these young athletes are, are really fatigued and you're and it's when is it enough to sort of step in or in that, in that environment, uh, you know, ensure or it or help them, not get injured. What, what, what do we do? Because you're going to play a lot of, a lot of matches. What do we do? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, again, it's, you know, it's just about having discussions with the, you know, the athletes, the coaches and the players. And you say, listen, you know, the more training volume that you have, the more loads, you know, as the season goes on, you're going to, you're going to become fatigued. You're going to become tired. And then with that, you know, there's then the increased risk of injury. Um, so you have to have these discussions and say, you know, maybe you got to look at uh, squad rotation, you know, where they're bringing different ah, players there you in. Go,
0: there you
2: go. Um, we could also look at, you know, varying the training too, you know, um, you know, not necessarily doing the same training every time, you know, but we could, again, educate about the potential of bringing in kind of like strength and conditioning protocols to the training, which would help too. Um, and also kind of saying, you know, do you wanna do you wanna play for the full season injury free, or you know, do you, do you wanna risk the chance of you know tearing an ACL or you know some something else, which is going to have you on the sidelines for four, five, six months, you know?
0: So to that point, when we start talking about ACL, I can see it. I I and and and, and I think once again, it gets down to education. I think I like the fact that if you can vary up your your routines and and your strength and conditioning, doing a little bit different here and there, and rotation and all that stuff. But there's going to be uh, potential for ACL injuries. So what what are the risk factors, uh, Brian, on ACLs?
1: Um, so so risk factors actually are kind of one of the funny talking points about ACL. There's a there's a couple pretty big ones. Um, obviously, we take the things like deconditioned athletes, and you know you're not trained, and you try to go out and play 100, percent and then. You know, somebody who hasn't ever played soccer before and jumps right
0: in, or has has never played a sport before, um, like like an old dad like me, right. I could do it. Yeah, I was gonna say an old fat guy like me trying to go play a game
1: <laughs> of soccer.
0: I'm, I'm a the runner? glory I'm a, days. I'm pairing something. Yes, I'm pairing
1: something. It's gonna happen. Um, honestly, one one of the biggest risk factors is being a, a young female. Um, that's where we see the most of our non-contact ACL. Um, tears. And there's a lot of different theories on that. Um, you can go oh, yeah, pretty yeah, deep yeah. down the rabbit hole on, on why that is, but there's, again, it's just what statistics show, um, especially for soccer.
0: Oh, um, uh, ho, ho, ho. you can't just gloss over that. You said young female. What, why what's, what's the reason? Just give us a general, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but that's yeah, an a interesting kind of, stat.
1: There's a couple of theories. So, so I, I ascribe to research goes all over the place on this. I ascribe to a, to a couple of them. Um, one of them is called the notch theory which essentially your acl kind of grows and expands when you're developing based on the size of the notch in your knee where it occupies okay um so when you're looking at a female obviously their bone structure is not as big as a male there but they're probably putting the same forces on it when they run and cut or similar on a smaller acl on less powerful quadriceps less powerful hips less powerful so again maybe less and again it's just a theory um Obviously, some females will will have more powerful or may have the same size. Um, I look at kind of the whole thing and say, with female sports right now are, I mean, legit. So they train hard, oh. they work hard, they do. I mean, they're out there killing it. So we take a naturally more petite frame and bone structure and ligament structure overall compared to men. And we're almost putting the same or more forces on it because there's trains now you know in the last 20 years or 30 years you know they're doing the same high intensity, you know what I mean. So you see these soccer players and they're just ripped with these <laughs> big quads. I mean that's a ton of force. they're able they can run faster, cut faster, jump farther. you know so again, that increases all the load. So I, I think it's kind of uh, I think it's kind of both, right to me. Um, and then you get into some stuff about um, hormones and womanly things and that type of stuff, whether that affects things at certain times. And I haven't seen a ton of great evidence for that unless anything's come out really recently. Um, but, again, there's a lot of different thoughts on it.
0: Number two, you said there were two uh, two risk factors. You've got the uh, young female, and then you said uh, number two. What would be the number two? Um. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, it's not a Let me just share you a story. When I uh, yeah. when I was coaching my daughter long ago, and uh, we had an opportunity to sit on the sidelines for the uh, LSU uh, women's soccer, uh-huh. I was scared. Yeah. They played. They played so hard, it was uh-huh. scaring me. I remember just looking at my wife. I'm going, what the oh, man? Yeah.
1: They're toughing out. I'll say the other thing for in my experience and, and Matt, tell me I'm crazy if I am, but in my experience, um, my women's soccer players that I've worked with were always played harder and were tougher than my male soccer players. Um, so oh, yeah. and I'm not, I don't mean that to be insulting, but they get after it.
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, no, hundred percent. You know, the, 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 women's soccer is the, the real deal over here, you know? And, um, you know, even the the, the, U, the U.S. team, you know, they've won the World Cup two years back to back. Um, yeah. So, you know, they, they, they play hard, you know. Um, but again, I think kind of touching on what you were saying, Brian, with the, the, the risk factors, you know, um, definitely the, the notch theory, um, you know, females have more uh, what's called relaxing in their body, uh, which causes the ligaments to be more lax, essentially, than, than males, which is another risk risk factor. And then they tend to have a higher Q angle at the knee as well, which means essentially they they have wider hips compared to males. Um, and then what happens is then uh, that generates kind of more forces at the knee, um, you know, in terms of the angle there. So again, all these factors kind of come into play, which increases the the, the risk for ACL tear.
0: What what uh, we touched upon the the women. What what about men? What what are the risk factors there outside of? An old guy like me deciding that he wants to relive his uh, glory days, which was never <laughs> glorious.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I think, uh, I think, I think with males, um, you know, we <clears throat> definitely core core and hip weakness would be a contributing factor if there's any disparity between hamstring and quad uh, strength. Most soccer players tend to be kind of more quad dominant, more strength in the quads, weaker in the hamstrings. And again, that, that can be a risk factor to, to ACL tear. Uh, poor quality movement patterns, you know, as Brian was saying, you know, soccer is a very dynamic sport. Lots of, you know, leaps, bounds, cutting, change of direction. You know, all these things being done at a much higher intensity compared to, you know, say the way soccer was played 15, 20 years ago. You know, it's more, more force through the body, you know, and then with that, we have increased risk of injury um other things that can contribute as well is you know uh footwear for example you know if if they they have the wrong studs on you know you could get potential almost kind of stuck in the grass and you get a torsional type movement um which could 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 uh, risk a tear too and then just kind of more more general stuff you know poor quality sleep poor night poor nutrition poor hydration um and pre- previous injury as well is uh probably one of the the number one predictors of has has injury. there
0: ever been any conversations around just the equipment like cleats and that's too big and it's small and it, you know uh, has there uh brian
1: um i am not sure about the cleats. I know there was a lot of a lot of research done on the difference between playing surfaces um a while ago on like Astroturf versus the Astro play or whatever they call it, the simulated grass versus actual grass. Um,
0: oh, okay. But
1: I don't know about actual cleats. My my question, Matt, and you tell me about soccer, the difference between positions, I got to think, is something as well. Oh, right? I mean, there has to be a higher percentage just due to running and cutting. Um, but maybe Matt can answer the question about the cleats too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of positional play, you know, I probably – I mean the the way the game's played this these days, you know, it's played at such a high intensity. You know, your your fullbacks, your wingers, your forwards, you know, all these guys are kind of running at, at 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 high speeds, you know. And the record the recorded, you know, players running as high as twenty-nine, thirty kilometers an hour, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and again, when you're performing these activities at such high intensities, high speeds, you know, then you you, you have those increased risk factors, you know. Um, myself, I was uh, I tended to play midfield. You know, midfielders can sometimes get away with, you know, kind of reading the game a little bit more, um, being better positionally, which means, um, you know, they don't necessarily have to cover as much ground as quickly. So maybe potentially they're at, at decreased risk. Um, in terms of the cleats, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure if they've done – I mean, they probably have done a lot of research into the way cleats are made over the years, you know, and you look at all the the, the the new kind of footwear that comes out, you know, by Nike and Adidas, and they all kind of look very similar the way the studs are made. Um, I think the stud depth is definitely smaller than it used to be. Uh, and I think, again, that decreases the risk if the, if this, you know, essentially the studs aren't protruding as far into the grass, then we have less risk of kind of sticking and then getting that sort of torsional action.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> That was that was one of those things that uh, always <clears> – <throat> when I uh, looked at football players and then they'd assess the turf and then they'd de- decide, well, I'm going to change my cleats out and do this. And uh-huh. they get it all dialed in and, and people are walking around and look like they're on stilettos, right? These feet are just so big and they're like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, doesn't
1: make that much of a
0: difference. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it does I, I feel
1: like I need to add it soccer so most ACLs are the the traditional ACL you think of as non-contact but I mean there's also a risk of somebody slide tackling you and, and doing a pretty good job of tearing your ACL for you um so again um,
0: so, so speaking of like there's there's the there's thought out there about braces and wearing braces and is that even a applause? Does that even help, wearing a brace? And is it even possible to wear a brace? I don't know. Give, uh, Brian, give us a little, you know. It's, it's possible, right? Um,
1: I would say you'd probably have to torture a soccer player to get them to put a brace on prophylactically. Um, <laughs> we, see, we see prophylactic braces a lot in football with our linemen because of people constantly falling into their legs. Yeah. Um, the question of whether that actually helps a, a ton with, a, with ACLs, um, I, don't, I don't really know because um, ACL is more of a rotational type injury in your knee. Um, I mean, honestly, there's some fair research that a brace helps decrease some of that rotation, but I think most of it, if you see a brace on a soccer player, they've probably already torn their ACL and gone through surgery, is my guess. Um, and you're trying to basically give them – just as much protection as you can,
2: um, mm-hmm. so
1: even if it's a little bit, even if it's a check rein, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I we're talking soccer players that used to complain, you know, a grade two ankle sprain. They didn't want tape on their foot, you know, or trying to get them to wear an ankle brace. Yeah. Put put a big clunky knee brace on them. Just isn't.
0: Yeah, it's new. funny. Every every uh, every match I've seen on a pitch, I don't I don't recall seeing a big old knee brace. I just yeah. <laughs> I don't care where.
1: And soccer is funny because uh, at least in Florida in high school, your brace, so you have this big clunky knee brace on and then they have to pad it. So in other words, as an athletic trainer, I actually had to make custom padding around all the metal parts of the brace. (laughs) So you take a brace this thick and now it's this thick and it's, you know, this wide hanging off the side of their leg. And I'm like, listen, if you want to play, this is how it, this is how it has to be done. You know,
0: Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, like, I look like a Michelin man after a while. I go, God, and that's why I say you're,
1: you're probably never going to see somebody wear something preventative. Right.
0: Um, but then it gets down to uh, uh, strengthening conditioning mm-hmm. and making sure that you're, 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 you're at least at peak health to do it. And, and I, I can understand that. Um, Matt, is there any benefit that, that you can see sort of data wise, that uh, if I had a sort of a pre-screening assessment, how does that sort of roll out compared to maybe some other uh, athletes that don't sort of get that pre-screening saying, hey, do this, watch this, you know, give us a little background.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the kind of pre-screening assessment, you know, we'd be looking for a lot of different things, um, you know, weight, posture, we'd be performing a functional movement screen where essentially we take the, the athlete through um I think it's what it's eight different positions um you know, and then from that we can we can we can come up with some data which can show asymmetries between the left and right side, which can help predict injury um studies have shown that the you know the fms is um is is good at being able to kind of predict injury in athletes um although I read a study recently which actually said that it was. There was no uh, <laughs> there was no correlation. So again, it's kind of kind of mixed reviews. Um, but one one thing that I did look into is um, so there's a, a protocol called the FIFA 11, um, and essentially what that is, it's a list of exercises that soccer players can can implement as part of their warm up or as part of their regular training throughout the season. Um, and that was shown to, to decrease, decrease the risk of ACL tier in ah. female athletes by about 23%, um, which is fairly fairly substantial.
0: That's substantial. Yeah, significant right there.
2: The, the fun part about that
1: too, Scott, is that the studies have studied who's teaching the program. So honestly, like, again, is it an athletic trainer? Is it a physical therapist running these programs? And it's just as effective if if Matt teaches a coach to do it and a coach runs it every day yeah. or even a player runs it every day as long as they do that warm up every day and before every game you still see that reduction
0: Do you see any benefit and this is to you Brian do you see any benefit for having sort of a throughout the season some you know kids play all, all year round throughout the season having sort of um, assessments seeing where they're at you'd add something at the beginning and then sort of midway through and so on and so forth just have sort of these uh, assessments throughout the year
1: absolutely yeah I mean I, I so I mean we everybody needs a physical before they start a sport at the beginning of the year um, mm-hmm. not only musculoskeletal and performance wise but cardiovascular all that stuff we need to have a baseline we need to know that yeah. there's anything that they're going to have a problem mm-hmm. I mean obviously there's worse things than an ACL um, but we need to know that all this stuff is functioning properly and then a good musculoskeletal or a functional screen should be a part of that um, I mean, you talk about an ACL and a number of other things. Your season's over, depending on when it happens in the season, your next season might be over as well. Um, so, and it's going to cost a lot of money and a lot of downtime. Um, so it makes sense to do this, right? For a little Huge. bit of finding somebody to do it and finding somebody to implement it. And um, and this is the argument we make to the clubs of like, let us help you with this. You'll see such a difference, right? You'll see such a difference not only in injury prevention, but in how they play, right? I mean, there's science behind this, and there's, um, and then yeah, absolutely. If there's a break in the middle of the season, kind of doing an inventory. I mean, a good athletic trainer is going to know what's going on, but um, there absolutely needs to be. And then I, I always, I heard one of my professors say, but I always wanted all of my kids to end the season as healthy as they started the season. Um, it's not always possible. But we want to take an inventory of, hey, get this fixed, right? So you may have a little bit of an off-season now. Let's get this fixed. Let's get this ready. Don't come back next year and be like, yeah, you know what? My ankle's still banged up from last year. You know, let's get that taken care of now. Um, So I think you're absolutely spot on. There needs to be kind of an ongoing assessment, knowing skill level, knowing that type of stuff. to
0: prevent. Yeah, so it's going to happen somebodys get, they're going to get injured. Let's just say it's an ACL. Mm-hmm. Matt, take us through a process of saying, okay, it, it happened. What, what's next? What do we do? What, what can some of these athletes expect from, from an injury? And of course, various degrees. So take us through a process.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, if you, if you want to switch it back to Brian, he's probably better to start this because he's going to be dealing with the on-field management and then, and then come to me I'll talk okay. about the clinic stuff
0: To <laughs> disregard that last thing to, Brian I'm not going to restate my question you heard it
2: yeah. sure. Sure. Um, so there's a, I mean there's a couple different
1: things I mean number one absolute absolute necessity is a correct diagnosis right so we need a good on-field eval we need to know. I mean the first thing as an athletic trainer you do is eliminate anything that's an emergency right is you know is it an ACL was it a knee dislocation or a subluxation we I've seen two or three of those and they're absolutely medical emergencies. Um, So again, knowing exactly what's going on, is it a fracture? Is there a fracture associated and an ACL? So, and then your next step really is gonna be home care and then follow up. So again, we're probably gonna put you in an immobilizer to to stabilize yourself. You're probably gonna be on crutches um, at least until you see the doc and we know exactly what's going on. Um, And honestly, I'll probably get you going on some treatment type stuff, you know, swelling control and, and honestly muscle control type stuff. So isometric type things. Cause the first thing that happens when your knee swells is your quad shuts down. So you start to detone immediately. And it's one of the most important things that we keep and get back after an ACL. Um, so I'll probably start you on that stuff and then you'll see an ortho, um, and you're going to get an MRI. Um, and then I would say my gosh, probably, an average of two to three weeks after injury, you'll probably have your surgery. Um, and nowadays, they're doing a lot of – more and more, I see it anyways, and Matt, you can correct me if you're not seeing it in the clinic, but prehab is a natural part of the injury. So actually, we're doing rehab before you have your surgery mm. because your outcomes are actually better the stronger you are going into
0: surgery. Yeah, yeah. But
2: um, I mean, you've seen that a lot over the <laughs> – you know last 10 15 years you know hip replacements knee replacements you know all these orthopedic surgeries you know prehabs a big uh, a a big push for that at the moment you know because it kind of sets the patient up for you know surgery and then post surgery you know they're already in a good kind of strong functional position when they come and see us on the other side you know so again same thing for for ACLs, you know as you said you know definitely doing that prehab before before surgery um, before they come come and see us in the, in the clinic you know um when they, when they come see us, you know, it's either going to be, as Brian was saying, you know, the, they might have the ACL surgery or depending, you know, they, they might opt to treat it con- conservatively. Um, you know, so the patient's going to come into the clinic. They're likely going to have a knee mobilizer on to prevent that kind of uh, extension. Um, and, and we're going to do a, a full physical therapy assessment for them, you know. Um, we're going to look at the, the range of motion. We're going to look at the muscle strength. Um, we already know what the diagnosis is. So there's not really, we're not going to do a lot of special tests. Um, you know, maybe just uh, like a Lachman's test or whatever to see if there's any kind of gross instability um, in that knee. Um, I, I always like to be up front with my, my my patients, my athletes, you know, if they're, you know, that the plan is to get back and play soccer, you know, then, you know, you, you got to be up and say, listen, you know, this is going to be a good six, six months minimum, you know, to get you back to, to the sort of level you need to be at to be uh, kind of performing soccer at a high level, you know. Um, for slate for See, slightly, that seems
0: fast. Six months ACL, that seems and, and being back on the pitch.
2: Minimum. Six months minimum. Minimum. Yeah, but, but that's being op- being optimistic. <laughs> I was say, that's
1: probably the fastest I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, average recovery you're somewhere so between six and twelve months, you know
0: yeah because usually
1: if you see see that it's a uh and i'm gonna quote an orthopedic surgeon i used to work with but it's a professional athlete and i i had one that was like a month out and it's like nothing had ever happened to him um quads were 40 inches around and just ripped and um, he was a running back um in the nfl and uh, i remember going and talking to the doc and i'm like what am i supposed to do with him and he's like (laughs) <laughs> do core do abs do this do i don't know but you got to keep him doing something and i'm like how does he look that good and he he told me brian um he might as well be he might as well be a different animal than you uh, he said yeah. he rolls over in the morning and his quads get bigger that's just how he's made
0: it's just the genetics man there's <laughs> something to be said about <clears throat> that it's what he does um he's
1: he's amazing like he's, it's just incredible but yeah it's um
0: that's where you see your
1: your kind of quick ones
0: so uh, me, it takes two years probably yeah so final questions here that matt how do you sort of begin to screen and saying yes you can go back to playing soccer at 50 percent, or i don't even know how you can even <laughs> gauge 75 percent. but how do you how do you uh how do you assess that and say you're good to go
2: yeah, I mean, there's certain tests that we can that we can run um, to kind of decide whether the the athlete's ready for return to play. Um, you know, we'd definitely be looking for for you know no swelling in the knee, full active range of motion, five out of five on MMT. You know, you would want the affected site to be within eighty to eighty-five percent of the unaffected site um, in terms of muscle strength. Um if you have access to some higher level machines like uh isokinetic dynam- dynamometer, you know, you can very accurately assess the muscle strength. Um, which again a lot of athletes at a higher level, you know, they'll the they'll have that input. Um other things that we we can do, you know, we can look at uh balance tests like the Y balance test. Um you you wouldn't want any asymmetries on that. Um and then, kind of looking at like uh different things like hopping actions, you know like uh a triple hop um again, we would want that to be within a certain range um you know to to kind of show that the, essentially the affected side is pretty much on par with the unaffected side or they there or there about you know um what about yourself, Brian? you have any other tests that you you like to use
1: yeah i I've done the isokinetic thermometers a lot um and I think they're a fair judge of telling you if they're ready to start some functional stuff. But to me, and again, I'm an athletic trainer, it all comes down to function. So I like single single leg, broad jump for distance, um, triple hop for distance. I like vertical leap. I like, you know, and then I like, I just gotta see somebody move. Um, so again, if I'm trying to determine if you're ready to go out and do something as dynamic as soccer, I need to see you do dynamic stuff. I need to see you run and cut. I need you to see. I need to see an unplanned cut. I need to see unplanned change of directions. Um, and we need to push that stuff. Um, and then it's going to be. There's very few times where they will. Boom! You're ready to go back. Most of the time, it's. Uh, hey, we're going to come back this week, and we're going to do this stuff. And if we do all right with that, and there's no swelling, no pain, next week we're going to do this stuff. And we'll we'll amp you back up over over a couple of weeks. So um,
0: so the last of the last questions that I lied the last time for saying that it was the last of the questions. So do you do as you begin to apply uh, physical therapy to the injury? Do you gauge the progress of that athlete and say, yeah oh, yeah you're tracking you're five by five you should be good and it's all trending in the right direction? Do you do? You, you do that throughout the time, and saying, "Yep, you'll be ready," and so it's not a surprise when you know they they achieve what they need to achieve, whatever it is. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, as, I think as as Brian's saying, you know, it's constant constant progression and then reassessment, progression, reassessment. You know, um, we can have a rough time scale in mind, um, but it's not set in stone. You know, if we have the athlete perform certain movements and you know there is some discrepancies there, or it doesn't look um, particularly pretty. You know, with some of the dynamic movements. You know, then we're going to we're going to say, hey, listen, you know, let's hold off and return into training for another few weeks. Let's work on, you know, some of these more high-level dynamic movements. You know, cutting, landing, bounding, plyometrics, all these different components that we can kind of bring in to make sure that that, that uh, player is 100% before we get them back on the the training fields.
0: So you don't yell at them, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We do it, it in a nice way. <laughs> it's,
1: it's funny you bring that up, Scott. Again, remember our population here. We're talking about athletes, and a lot of times, very, very high level athletes. Yeah. They're competitive, competitive people. So you know, and Matt talked about it, but you, you got to give them, got to give them goals. You got to dangle that carrot in front of them. So hey, if we get to eighty five percent of contralateral strength on uh, the, on the dynamometer, great. you get to go outside and do rope drills you know, if we do this, you get to go outside and wow. You know, so again, it's a, and, and most of us look at it and go, I don't want to go outside and do rope <laughs> I
0: was gonna say <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. I I don't want to.
1: But it's a big <laughs> deal and and again is you learn and Matt, I'm sure you've gotten this too, but any way you can incorporate something functional, something sport related into that rehab, and it could be something stupid. Um it makes such a big difference and keeps wow. them engaged so i mean, I had an acl one cool. time and she was a goalie, and i sat her on a chair and just threw soccer balls at her and made her catch them. you <laughs> know it's a dumb little thing but she absolutely loved it i get to i get to catch you know i mean again um but just wow. you gotta keep them it's a it's a hard deal with psyche because there's always anytime you remove an athlete from their sport um not of their own volition. that there's a depression that sets
2: in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And a hundred percent. You know, even you know, having played soccer myself. You know, as soon as I get a ball at my feet, you know, I'm happy. You know, and then from a therapy point of view, you know, if I can if I can bring that into the sessions, you know, to to lift the spirits of the the player too, you know, you know, then you want to do that. You know, I had uh, a guy in the clinic recently. It wasn't an ACL. It was a like soft tissue. It was an IT band issue. But again, you know, from fairly fairly early on, you know, we started to incorporate ball drills, you know, single leg deadlift into volley back, you know, using the suit for squats with a header, you know, ladder training, change of direction with little half volleys, stuff like that, you know, which really kind of kept his interest. Because, um, I mean, sometimes therapy can get a little bit um, monotonous, you know, just in terms of delivering the exercises. So you want to keep it interesting for them.
0: Yeah, um, well, that makes and sense. Then,
2: as Brian was saying you know one of the hardest things for you know competitive soccer players is trying to they, they want to get back on the field as soon as possible you know so you have to kind of you know sometimes lay the expectations down and say you know listen this is where you are this is where you want to be this is what we did we need to do to get there you know and we need to just keep work, keep working at that you know always kind of reassessing and progressing um, and it, but as I said it's it's a tough one you know because all these guys want to do is get get out there and play you know <laughs> <laughs>
0: Go ahead there, right
2: I was
1: going to say, Matt, I'm sure you have the same stories as well, but I I love these guys that you're like, all right, go home and do – you need to do straight leg raises at home. And they come in and they're like, my quad's killing me. And I'm like, would well, did you do your leg raises? And they're like, yeah, I did a 1,000 of them last night. <laughs> 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 He's like, hey,
0: <laughs>
1: about 900 too many.
0: <laughs> so uh, uh, to you, Matt, point of clarification, is it the field or pitch – um, because I I, I heard you talk about field, and I'm I'm getting real confused because you're <laughs> Scott is and I'm going. I'm trying to be respectful of the way you. It's the pitch. <laughs> the field, the pitch, same no difference. No, it's the pitch over there. It's the pitch. I understand <laughs> that. <sounds>
2: like <laughs> in soccer instead of football.
0: What's that? It like <laughs> in soccer instead of football. No, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> You must be confused, Matt, just FYI. It's got to be bilingual when it comes to this soccer, football, yeah, I'm, you know, pitch, I'm, I'm
2: field. i but... <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> hey, how does somebody get a hold of you, Matt, that they said, hey, Matt was really great. How do I get a hold of him?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, going on the COCORA website, uh, right. I said, I, I primarily work at the Deerfield Beach Clinic, um and i said one of our kind of you know specialties that we've started to bring in is you know the kind of the the soccer rehab you know so we're actively working with uh brian and other guys in the community to try and build partnerships with um you know travel soccer teams and graduate sports you know to try and build that uh relationship so we can bring uh bring more of these athletes in and help help educate them you know because i said it's not you don't have to wait until you're injured to, to seek out therapy you know there's a lot of Preventative things that we can put in place to to essentially prevent injury and keep them healthy throughout the season.
0: I like it. I like it a lot, Brian. How did they get a hold of you?
1: Uh, I'm not in I'm not in a clinic or any one clinic, anyways. Uh, easiest way: The Anderson one at corahealth.com.
0: There it like is, now. Anderson. So you're the you're the only one. There's no other Anderson, right? There's no. I,
1: I don't know, but they put a one after my after my email. So oh, okay. B Anderson one. I think they're just letting me know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, your numero uno. <laughs> All right, you guys were absolutely wonderful. Thank you for being on in your corner with Core Physical Therapy. Now, listeners, I'm looking at the internet, the World Wide Web. I'm out on corephysicaltherapy.com, and I'm right at the website, and it's fantastic. I can pretty much find anything there. You know why? Because Core treating everyone right. At Core, everyone is welcome. Everyone is respected, and everyone is supported to achieve success. You can't argue with that. All right, go to corephysicaltherapy.com. dot It's a great website. There you go. You guys are wonderful. Thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Scott. All Thanks, right, Scott, listeners, we're it. going to have another great informant. I'm not sure there's not going to be many that's going to top this conversation. You no, know, there will be. I don't think so.
1: Oh, only, no. huh. if we get, only if we get uh, what's his name back. I did the last podcast with. Uh, you so you're the asking Football me. player and the-
0: oh yeah 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 there there's some yeah there's some good stuff out oh, there. A good one. All right. Thank you very much for joining. We're going to have another great conversation shortly. So stay tuned. We will be right back.